This is Daizenshu EX, the podcast, episode 3 for the week of December 4th, 2005. Hello, everyone. Welcome. This is Daizenshu EX, the podcast, episode 3. My name is Michael Labrie. You may know me and probably do know me as Vegito EX. And with me, as always, is my faithful underpaid servant, Julian. We got to talk about that, Mike. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that later, okay? So we are on episode three of our podcast. Yes, we are. We are. And uh, I think you'll be interested to know this. I haven't told you this yet. I was talking with God of Chaos earlier, who is hosting our two episodes so far. Episode Ooh. two has received just over 1,100 downloads. That's pretty impressive. That is. So uh, thank you, everyone, for checking us out. Of course, that's assuming it's not the same set of forum goers compulsively downloading it to see if it's... <laughs> that's true. Let's, let's assume it's not. All so right. we are up on iTunes now. Hey, that's not bad, is it? And it's not. So you can do a search for DBZ, Dragon Ball, Daisenshu, our names, and it comes up. So that's pretty damn cool. So you put in all the popular keywords. I did. I loaded it up, and it seems to work well. Nice. Yes. And in addition to us being up on iTunes, if you've listened to the last two episodes, you might notice a slight increase in audio quality with this one. I dropped a little bit of money at Radio Shack yesterday, and I got myself a nice cheapo mixer and mic, so I'll sound really good. And uh, yeah. Julian's got his uh, monitor and microphone. Yeah, well, I'm going to be doing something about that pretty soon, I think. You actually sound pretty good, so... Well, that's good, then. Yeah. So, in the meantime, as long as no one comes storming down the hall, or yelling at the top of their lungs, or banging on my door, or basically anything, I'll be all set. Sounds good. So, why don't we go ahead and get started for the week? We've started off the last couple episodes talking about pronunciations and mostly just comparing things. This week, we are going to start off with Saiyajin versus Saiyan. So, yes. Julian, why don't you start it off by breaking down this word for us, Saiyajin. Saiyajin. Well, etymologically speaking, Saiya is an anagram of Yasai, which means vegetable. Now, in Japanese, since every word is either a vowel or a consonant-vowel pair, except for the syllabic N, or N, that means that Yasai is rearranged to become Saiya, hence Saiya. And then Jin literally means person. And so you put it together and you have Saiya Jin. Now, it's usually used um, the Jin suffix to indicate things like national origin, or in this case, sort of their um, alien race if you will, since they are not of this world. Now, compare that for me to Namekuseijin. Why is there say with their race when it's spoken aloud in the show? That is because that they are from the planet Namek. Namekuseijin, um, broken down, is uh, Nameku, which is derived from Namekuji, which means slug, I believe. Um, and say comes from the word wakuse, which means planet. Say by itself actually just means star, but in this context it means planet. And then Jin, again, is people. So, literally speaking, it means they're people from the planet Namek. Well, that makes sense. So then I guess yes. if we were talking about the Saiyajin, they would technically be Bijita Seijin. Yes, although they're not referred to as such. No, and I don't think I ever heard them referred to as such. But No. Well, that clears that up for me anyway, so hopefully other people have gotten something out of that. In the English dub, Funimation, right from the start has used the spelling S-A-I-Y-A-N. 
and pronounced as such as Saiyan. Now, what's interesting about this spelling is that Funimation didn't create it. The first time I saw it was actually on the Japanese Super Battle Collection figures from Bandai, where they write out everything in katakana and kanji, and right below it they write it out in English. And right under Super Saiyajin is written Super Saiyan. Now, in terms of the pronunciation, Funimation uses Saiyan. Now, this is stemming from Saiyajin, so wouldn't the correct pronunciation actually be something along the lines of Saiyan? Most likely. Um, what I'm guessing is it had something similar going on to where Kaioken became Kaioken. Um, it could be that the voice actors misread it or they were directed to pronounce it in the wrong way because people didn't know. I mean, I've seen this a lot in a lot of dubs of things from Japanese where things are really badly mispronounced and you have no idea how they came up with it, but it happens. But, I mean, the spelling by itself is decent. I mean, basically what you have is the gene becoming sort of this suffix indicating, so instead of saya gene, you have sayan, like they're, they're of the saya, like American or Canadian or... What have you. Right, that's the analogy I actually see most often, yeah, yeah. is America and American. And we just add on the N, that indicates where we're from. Yes, but the pronunciation is completely off the mark in the English version, and it's also led to the unfortunate conflagration with things like Saint Seiya, which is the correct pronunciation, but it's spelled S-E-I-Y-A. But it's caused quite a good bit of confusion in some it, circles. It has. And that's not even touching upon the various butcherings of spelling that you see on the internet that are not even close to either the Japanese or the official English adaptations. <laughs> I find it hilarious when people, they seem to not want to use Funimations, but they don't quite know the original, and so you get things like Super Saijin and Sane and all sorts of other amusing spellings. You it's, know, if, it's if, still if funny. You, if you want to break away from the English version, you should at least, you know, consider what it actually is first, and also, whether it, it might be right and just a matter of pronunciation. <laughs> I actually mentioned Super Saiyajin earlier. When we write out Super Saiyajin, we, on the site, at least our site, we write it as Super Saiyan. And yes. What was your reason for deciding this? My reason for that is because I consider the spelling itself as a legitimate translation, plus it is something that people on this side of the ocean are very very familiar with. I mean, it's it wasn't just about increasing page hits, though. I mean, really, I feel that it should be viewed as a legitimate translation of the Japanese term. Really, the only thing that I take issue with is the pronunciation that it's given in the English dub. So, I went along with that. And then, on the other hand, when we shorten it to just a couple letters, we tend to write out SSJ for Super Saiyajin. Yes. Now, for me, I know I write it out like this simply because that's what I'm used to writing, because I've been writing that out for, like, a decade now. Yeah. But whereas we do on the site write out Super Saiyan, why do we stick with SSJ? Well, I think it's mainly a matter of convenience for me, but also the two, I mean, the repeating initial SS has become associated with a number of things in the English language and in some other languages as well that don't really translate well to, say, Dragon Ball and frankly are perhaps a bit negative in connotation. I mean, on the one hand, you have SS is the prefix for, say, a sailing ship. So, oh, hey, it's the SS Goku. Does that mean he transformed into a boat? Or the SS being the infamous Nazi secret police of Germany, and we certainly don't want to get that kind of connotation, especially with the blonde hair and bluish-green eyes. 
<laughs> now, Funimation does, at least on their figures, their action figures, use SS, such as SS Goku and SS Vegeta. And interestingly, I have seen them, in some cases, write out SSJ. It seems as though they've kind of adapted this. They And they have adapted some uh, traditional fan spellings for things, so it's it's right. neat to see them almost slip up and use these things from time to time. Mm-hmm. Actually, it, it's interesting, because at first, the spelling of Vegeta that they use, not you, um, is, I think, really a, a fan term. And it, it's basically because with um, the way that they spell kakaroto in English without the to on the end, which is extraneous when pronounced in the English language, you don't get the ending, and so it, it would become just part of Vegeta's name. And that doesn't make as much sense from the fusion standpoint. But that's going off on a tangent. <laughs> so anyway... Is there anything else you can think of for this this term? I do remember that in the English dub, when Goku was explaining the various levels of Super Saiyan to Boo, Boo actually uses in the English dub the correct pronunciation, Super Saiyajin. He does. That is the, the Japanese pronunciation. And this was and extremely shocking to both dub and original fans alike for seeing this and hearing this term basically come out of the blue for no reason in the dub. And actually, I think something similar happened in the recent so-called Ultimate Uncut Edition, where um, Vegeta learns of the Kaioken and actually pronounces it correctly, even though Goku isn't. So, I don't know, I guess maybe it's become a little bit of an inside joke at Funimation, but... That wouldn't know, surprise me at all. It, it's both interesting and kind of annoying <laughs> to see it happen like that, but, you know, there's no, there's no control that we have over it, so... You know, it's it's an interesting anomaly, I guess. So, so. just to recap, we have Saiyajin versus Saiyan. And just to note, since uh, Japanese works on the system of more rather than um, straight-out syllables, it's actually pronounced in five beats, Saiyajin. The next subject we'd like to talk about is kind of part pronunciation and part actual news. With Viz's most recent releases of the Dragon Ball Z manga, Majin Buu has appeared. However, the term Majin, which Funimation has deemed acceptable for use, seems to have gone bye-bye. In place of using the term Majin, which, Julian, can you break that word down for us? Uh, Majin comes from the roots Ma, which can either have the connotation of magic like magical powers or what have you, or demon and sort of a demonic influence. And Jean, which um, is actually the same characters as we've discussed before, which is person. So it becomes either sort of a magical being or an evil being. I'd say that the word itself has sort of a connotation of both. So Majin has gone bye-bye, and in place of Majin, we have this term Jean, spelled D-J-I-N-N by Viz. Now, this word has been seen nowhere else in Dragon Ball fandom up until now. That's right. And that's kind of surprising because Viz, up until last year or so, had been pretty good about, I mean, if not keeping the Japanese term, then at least not straying far from what it's supposed to mean. So it's kind of interesting. Now, what does this term actually mean? Uh, Jin comes from Arabic, where it is a genie. Um, in the Arabic mythology, it seems to be a sort of amorphous entity that's kind of like a spirit, and it has a, a free will of its own. And it seems to be sort of, if not evil, then it, at least it sort of has a, a mind of its own where it wants to do whatever it wants, except in what's probably most familiar to Western audiences, where the genie is bound 
to whatever and is forced to grant wishes. Well, and of course, that's where we get the English word genie. Now, going with this definition, this in theory makes a whole lot of sense with Majin Buu. He's this giant pink thing with a kind of free will and magical demonic being. Right. But. But. That makes nonsense of the M that's on what I guess you could call his belt. I mean, it's part of his amorphous pink blobness, but, you know. Now, I actually went down to the bookstore today during my lunch break to take a look at this, and I was thinking about buying the volume, but after kind of paging through it, I decided Viz no longer gets my money. Majin Buu is simply referred to as Buu. When he's referred to as a thing, he is referred to as a jin, or the jin Buu. So we have, essentially, yeah, gotten rid of the whole meaning of M on his belt, the Majin. And it's not just Boo, it's a whole bunch of other characters, too. We're going to have Majin Vegeta, and we have uh, Dabra and Spopobich. All these characters have M's on them, and they kind of just ignore this M entirely. So that, that does seem like it'd be kind of a bit of confusion, especially since it seems so clear in both the Japanese version and the English dub of the TV show where it comes from. Right, so and as we mentioned, even Funimation decided this is a perfectly fine term to use for their production. What I find really funny about this is Viz has decided to translate the Japanese manga, and instead of translate the word into English, they use an Arabic word, which I'm sure is just as foreign to the readers as the Japanese word would be. Right. I mean, genie would obviously work to an extent, but again, it, it, does, it has a much more limited connotation um, than the actual jin would. But again, it makes nonsense of an, another part of the aspect of the character. Assuming that, you know, in a vacuum, people who've only read the English version of the manga, they'd be scratching their heads going, what's with the M? <laughs> and, you know, in going with that, I actually saw my first example of someone using jin inappropriately on a forum. They seem to have just kind of adopted this word and just throwing it around for the sake of throwing this term around. And I'm reading their post saying, you know, this doesn't make any sense. You don't know what this word means. Yes. Well, you see that a lot in internet forums, but we'd, we'd like to think differently of ours. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of such, what I'd like to do is actually turn to our forum. I posted up this uh, discussion about Viz and their gene a couple days ago to see what people thought. So I'd like to just read a couple quick posts by people. Mike, being our forum member Mike and not myself, says, I'm not the type who usually complains about things like this. I'm okay with all the other changes Viz has made, but not this. His name is clearly Majin Buu and not Jin Buu. There's a very clear M on Buu's belt. And you know, like we said, this makes a whole lot of sense. Chaos Iogen says, What's going on at Viz? Jin Buu? Hercule? Viz used to provide us with great translations of the DB manga, but now it seems they are going downhill. I don't mind Hercule as much, but Jin Buu? I can't even pronounce that. Well, I don't know. I, I personally find Hercule much more offensive to the fan base. It's like kind of insulting our intelligence. I don't know. That's kind of my own opinion. I was really happy with the Viz translation of the manga up until last year, and then it just really took a dive, and I was surprised and kind of betrayed feeling but my japanese is improving and i understand the japanese version a lot better but you know it was no substitute for just being able to sort of pick it up and read it in your own native language couple more posts here ken damu says in terms of jin it only bothered me at first because i didn't quite know how to pronounce it i tend to only call him boo anyway so it's not that big a deal the s says jin works perfectly in the mythological sense Boo basically is a jin when you think about it. He's both demon and has magical powers, which also satisfies both the requirements for Ma. 
However, this is just sticking with names here, and it's irritating. Chibi Mystic Gohan says, It's not that Majin has been replaced with Jin, really. It's that they're calling Boo a Jin. It wouldn't make sense for anyone to say Jin Vegeta, for example, so I have no problem with it. Which actually brings me to a question. I have not seen this volume of the manga, or recent ones, because I stopped reading the Viz translation. What have they done for Vegeta and Zipopovich and Yamu? You know, like I said, I went down to the bookstore during my lunch break today, and I was just kind of leafing through the pages. I didn't want to actually purchase them. But from just reading through, like I said, Boo is simply referred to as Boo, or the Jin Boo, and not Majin Boo. And I don't think that Vegeta is ever actually named Majin Vegeta, neither the anime or the manga. Is that correct? You know, I'm not exactly sure. I think that's more of a just kind of official name for him that uh, Toei and Suishia and everyone else kind of gave him. You may have a very good point, and I have I don't have those volumes with me to do any sort of in-depth checking. But but they do in the manga use the term Majin to refer to these other beings, but they never say. For example, Majin Spopovich. So, in terms of their replacing the word Majin with Jin as kind of just a general noun, that kind of replaces, I don't want to say effectively, but efficiently anyways. Now, of course, I suppose you could say the M would work equally as well as a representation of Madoshi, which is what Babidi is called in the Japanese version. Uh, Madoshi is... I guess the best translation would be a dark mage, sort of this wizard who uses his powers for um, nefarious or borderline purposes. But again, um, I, I don't think that Viz uses that term either. So, Do you have anything else on this one? That's about all I got. So that concludes what we have to say about Jin. If you'd like to, we do have a thread set up on our forum, and we'll of course give you all that information later on towards the end. On our first podcast episode, we talked with Lost in Thought, our buddy Justin from our forum, about Sparking. We kind of reviewed the game a little bit. We want to try doing another little review segment, but this time, instead of a video game, we're going to talk about music, and we're going to talk about a couple CDs that have come out this year, primarily and exclusively in Japan. Now, Dragon Ball has seen a surprising amount of merchandise for the past few years, and it's really interesting to see all of these new things coming out. And among them, we have these CDs. I mean, we've got soundtracks, and we've got a few singles of other songs as well. We do. The first Budokai game, known as Dragon Ball Z, simply in Japan, came out uh, about four years ago at this point. Surprisingly, a soundtrack wasn't released for quite some time. And then eventually, the soundtrack was released, or at least announced, and then released. And it came out January this year. The first CD, Dragon Ball Z and Dragon Ball Z 2, that would be Budokai and Budokai 2, respectively, as their American games are called, came out January 19th, 2005. And in addition to the soundtrack CD, it came with a bonus DVD that had some pretty fun stuff. It showcased Hironobu Kageyama actually performing the opening theme with Tower of Power and a whole bunch of other musicians. And it actually had some mini music videos with in-game footage and music from the game. That's right. And I mean, it's pretty interesting seeing uh, Kageyama. He's a very interesting personality. (laughs) And very, I don't know, kind of, especially he's very standing out in front of all these kind of American, who look like very business-oriented musicians. And he's kind of this rock star mentality, walking around Southern California. And it's kind of an interesting clash there, but... I don't know. The DVD on that 
um, soundtrack was pretty pretty interesting. <laughs> the best part about the DVD is actually that it's region free, so you can uh, import the CD and know that you can just pop that DVD right in your player without having to worry about anything. It is kind of a trip, though, seeing subtitles for people speaking English and then no subtitles for the Japanese. It was. It was. <laughs> it was quite fun. Now, on March 2nd, the next CD came out, which was the soundtrack for Dragon Ball Z 3 or Budokai 3. Now, something you should know about these CDs is that if you're going to purchase one, you really ought to purchase the other as well, because not all of the music for the first two games can be found on the first CD, and not all the music for the third game can be found on the second CD. For example, my favorite piece of music is actually from Budokai 2 in the Dragon World. I think it's stage 7. It's this really, really fun jazzy tune. But it's on the Budokai 3 soundtrack. It's track 5 called We Go Nuts. So you really have to, I guess, buy both CDs if you want the music. Right. Now, in terms of the themes, I mean, uh, Budokai, depending on where you are in the world, in the U.S., I guess it was... um, like a 3D version of Rock the Dragon or something? It was. It was the Hedgehella animation done with an in-game kind of sequence, not CG, but the music was Rock the Dragon, which was the first dub opening theme to DBZ in the U.S. Right, and but the European version and the Japanese version had sort of this instrumental version of the original Japanese theme. Actually, so. I think the European version, or at least some areas in Europe, had neither. They had their own little kind of music video montage thing rather than an actual oh, opening so? theme. Alright, I didn't know that. Yeah, but the Japanese version did indeed have Hedgehala as the opening theme with the same animation we got. But Budokai 2 and 3 had their own unique opening themes made especially for the games. Now, both of these were performed by Hironobu Kageyama and who is probably most famous as the one who did the opening themes to Dragon Ball Z, the TV show, as well as most of the ending themes to the movies. Um, He's also famous for various things like those tokusatsu live-action fighting team shows, and I think a couple of Gundam ones as well. But anyway, it's it's pretty interesting, because... I don't know, I happen to find the themes pretty catchy. I do as well. Especially the theme to Budokai 2. No, but are, are these themes on the discs, are they the full versions, or are they... Now, to purchase these two CDs, you get the exactly what you hear in the game, which is, I guess, the equivalent of a TV-length version, where they're about a minute and a half long. Right. There does exist, however, a CD single, which contains the full-length vocal versions of both songs, as well as karaoke versions of both songs. And that CD came out on February 23rd. I think it was in between those two CDs. I I definitely suggest picking that one up if you like these songs. Since it's a CD single, it's pretty cheap. It's about about $10, a little less than that, depending on where you want to pick it up. So not much of a financial commitment there. And it's a good little CD. I enjoy both tracks. And, you know, singing along with them, too, is a very geeky thing. But, you know, I, I like to sing, so that's fun. Anyway. Little side story. Julian actually sang, what was it, the Budokai 2 opening? Yeah. At a uh, karaoke contest at, what, Anime Next 2004? Four, yeah. Un- unfortunately, I didn't ago. get there in time to videotape it. No. Uh, what was I doing? You were eating pizza or something. I don't remember exactly. Oh, but sorry. But at any rate, <laughs> I didn't place that year, although I did uh, do better the next year. With the- Which I also missed. Yeah, well, that was my rendition of the third One Piece opening, Hikarie, which is a lot better than anything you'll hear on the American version. And don't get me started. <laughs> we won't. 
yeah, any any criticisms I had of the DBZ dub just get completely erased in my complete and utter loathing of what happened to One Piece when it was brought to the U.S. in TV. Now, before we, you know, give you a stroke, <laughs> we do have a couple other CDs that we should mention. In July and August, respectively, of this year, came out the 2005 versions of Makafushigi Adventure and Chala Head Chala. These were originally promoted as self-covers of the songs. So we knew the original artists were going to come and sing the songs, but we didn't quite know what kind of arrangements or really final product we were going to get. And i got to say, the results are decidedly mixed. Um, in terms of the variety of songs, the, the Dragon Ball one with the opening theme and a couple of insert songs being covered by the original artist Hiroki Takahashi. It's got like four or five songs, or well, four, I guess. There's there's but, four songs, then a remix of Makafushigi, and then instrumentals of all the songs. But I gotta say, it's surprisingly anemic. I, um, I really was not happy with that first one. No, I mean, it's the arrangement, first of all, sounds like somebody sort of plugging away at a synthesizer, and not even in, like, the, you know, the, the kind of nifty 80s way, either. I mean, it's like straight-up Casio keyboard, like somebody pressed the demo button. Yeah, definitely. There are, there are a couple horns on later tracks, but it, it doesn't really help. And, you know, the vocal performance really left a lot to be desired as well. He no. just did not sound into it at all. No, he it basically sounded like he was there to get a paycheck, and that was it. Yeah, and that's really a shame. Yeah, I mean, and then, on the other hand, we've got the 2005 version of Chala Head Chala. Now, which, we know this guy's been in practice, because he's been doing the last couple of Budokai songs. And then Kageyama always seems like he's into what he's singing. He is totally is. into whatever he is singing at the time, and he wants it to be known that he is into it. Yeah, and so I, I enjoyed these pretty well. I mean, I, I did have some, you know, minor quibbles, but overall I thought these were better, especially compared to what they followed up. <laughs> um, That's true. The arrangements in these, I mean, they were still the crappy Casio demos, but for some well, reason, they sounded slightly better. Well, they've got a lot of good guitar-type riffs in them, and um, frankly, I think the the arrangements themselves are better. And, Definitely. Um, they, they assign the keyboard parts to parts that are very obviously keyboard-type and not, right. oh, we don't have this instrument, so we're just going to stick this in instead. Right. And I don't know, I, I actually really enjoyed the We Got the Power um, version. The 2005 version or the remix version? Actually, I, I liked, liked them both. Did you? I, I, I found it really interesting how the just how the new version was completely different from the old one. It's I true. Mean, um, the new version of the first opening kind of stays in the same vein, but that's mostly because it was kind of a straight-up 80s-type rock in the first place. Yeah. But I don't know, I, I also I enjoyed the remake version of the original theme, too, because it, I mean, it, it stuck mostly to the original but it also added in a few twists and the remix the remixes themselves were actually surprisingly good as well see that was my favorite part about this cd were the remixes of the 2005 versions my problem with the first two tracks which are chala head chala and we got a power just their normal 2005 versions I, I found they just sounded way too identical to each other I suppose, I mean, it's basically, I think, that the second theme becomes a lot more of a straight-up rock song than it wasn't originally. Now, on the other hand, I really, really, really like track four, which is the Yuki Nakano remix of We Got a Power. I think this was just a really, really cool track, and I want to do something with it in the future. Yeah. And track five, which is the, you know, they wrote this really weird 
it's um, it looks like it, mobile remake, but there's some. <laughs> yeah, the what happens is that the Japanese version it's mobile remake, like they combined um, the. Ah, uh, I see. What because you mean. there's no LR distinction in Japanese, they combined it mobile and remake into a portmanteau with the L in mobile. I got you. It's really something you have to see in writing to kind of get. Yeah, I, I probably pronounced that wrong. I think mo- <laughs> no, mobile. You know what? I never got it, so that makes sense to me. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, what I liked about this track was that it almost sounded like the original version of the song. I wasn't too happy with the 2005 version, but I like this remix of it, if only because it reminded me that I liked the original song. Well, I suppose. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't really have anything against the 2005 versions of either song, but you're right, they do sound pretty similar, and in, in the case of the first track, it doesn't sound a whole lot different from the original, but I guess it's different enough for, yeah. you know. Now, both of these CDs are 1,260 yen, so these will also run you around $10, so there's not much of a commitment there, so if you happen to see them lying around at a convention, maybe pick them up. I don't know if I'd suggest purchasing them from, say, CD Japan and have to pay the shipping on them. Maybe the second one over the first one. But if you're going to pay shipping, you might as well get both. So this one's a toss-up. If you're really, really big into the music, you're probably going to get it anyways, such as myself. But if you're not that big a fan, eh, you might want to pass on these. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I I definitely think, all things considered, the second one is better than the first. But if you're going to have to pay for that extra to get it shipped across the ocean, you might as well make it worth your time by having both of them rather than something that's, you know, barely more than the shipping (laughs) that's true and hey you could always get the budokai two and three cd single so get yourself a whole package of all these cds if you want track listings and release information you can get those on our site daizenshu ex and we will make sure to give you that information later on now this next segment is something that we started up last week and it's basically just giving you a rundown of what's coming out over the coming month Now, we went into detail about a number of these items last week, so why don't, for this week, let's just give you a quick overview of what's coming out for the month of December 2005. Coming out on the 6th of December, which is a Tuesday, um, is Dragon Ball Z Volume 23 from Viz. Now, this is Dragon Ball Volume 39, for those of you familiar with the Japanese Bone release. And this covers um, more of um, Boo's antics, and I don't know, I gotta say that I'm not going to be getting this. You know, if it's your thing, then it's coming out on this coming Tuesday. And would that have anything to do with the two characters on the cover? Yes, it would. Um, Dragon Ball Volume 39, or Dragon Ball Z Volume 23, features both Majin Buu and Mr. Satan on the cover, both of whom have had name alterations in the English version of the manga. So you can see why I'm less than enthusiastic about this release. (laughs) On the other hand, also on the 6th of December, from Funimation on DVD, we have the box set of Dragon Ball Movies 2, 3, and 4. Now this features, for the first time on DVD, Dragon Ball Movie 2, Sleeping Princess and Devil's Castle. The others have been previously released individually. Um, Dragon Ball Movie 1 is not included in the set because the rights are still tied up with Kidmark, or Trimark, and Lionsgate Films which owns the rights to both the first 13 episodes of the series and the first movie, and has them released in its own edited English dub only and pretty poorly encoded to boot box set called The Saga of Goku. We, we recommend you not pick that <laughs> up, but the movie box set should be pretty good. If you want to grab it, the suggested price is twenty nine ninety eight. However, it's nice and cheap over on Overstock for $18.13, and we'll be sure to give you that link. 
So coming out on December 7th, which I guess is kind of ironic in Japan, um, is Dragon Ball Z Volumes 4, 5, and 6. These are the individual releases of what came out on the Dragon Box DVD box sets back in 2003. Um, they're 3,800 yen each, and there's six episodes per DVD. Volume 4 has episodes 19 to 24, Volume 5 has volumes 25 to 30, and Volume 6 has episodes 31 to 36. And this, this takes you up to the end of the Saiyajin saga, with Vegeta being defeated and taking off into space. Now, there's also this sort of weird anime comic being published by Shueisha now, um, which basically just takes stills from the an- anime and releases them as manga, which I find to be really, really redundant. But volume three of that is also coming out this month. On the 14th of December, we potentially have two releases. We finally have a confirmation on Dragon Ball Z Legacy of Goku 1 and 2. This is a dual Game Boy Advance game for $29.99. Previously, we only had this confirmed on Funimation Z Store, but it's shown up on EB Games as well, so that's a pretty good indication that you'll be able to go pick it up. So if you haven't grabbed either the first or second game, this is a great place to grab them. Also on the 14th of December, potentially, is the official release date for the greatest hits version of Budokai 3 on the PS2. Now, I've been hearing a couple reports that this game is already showing up in some stores. I went down to the video game store here in town yesterday to see if they had it, and it wasn't anywhere to be seen. So, maybe you can go grab it, maybe you can't, but Funimation Z Store lists December 14th as the official release date. This Greatest Hits version actually takes some extras that appeared in the Japanese version, such as three extra costumes, being Goku with a halo, Piccolo Daimao, and Trunks with long hair. It should also feature the Japanese vocal opening theme. The original release only had the instrumental. And maybe one or two other things we don't really know quite yet. So, potentially December 14th? We don't know. Maybe you can go get it. Maybe you can't. Maybe it'll never come out, and they were just lying to us. On December 22nd in Japan, we finally have a release date for Cho Dragon Ball Z. This is a new arcade fighting game from Banpresto. It's actually being developed by Funamizu. Yeah. He used to work for Capcom, and I believe he worked on the Street Fighter 2 series of games. So this is a guy who knows his stuff and knows fighting games, and he's working on the DBZ game. And, I mean, there's always rumors about Dragon Ball games coming up for Capcom, which will never happen because Cap- Capcom doesn't have the rights to these games, but um, this is about as close as you'll come. That's so true. We'll have to see how it is. Now, the game runs on the System 246 hardware, which is actually, essentially, PlayStation 2 for the arcade. So, while nothing's been said at all about a home release, it makes a whole lot of sense to me that they'll port this to PS2 later on. There's obviously been nothing said about an American release, but if we find out, we will be sure to let all of you know. And one note about the title, the Cho means Super. Literally, it means Super Dragon Ball Z, although this has nothing to do with the Super Famicom or Super NES. And so that wraps it up for releases for the month of December in the Dragon World. We'll probably go over this again next week in increasing brevity, just to let you know what's out there for those who are on your good list for the holidays. To finish off our show for the week, we want to get to some of the emails we've been getting. Uh, After our first episode, we got one email, which we read, and after episode two, we got a couple more, and I think we're going to try and hit all of them. So we have a 
again, we have a good track record going. I doubt we'll be able to keep that up as we get more and more listeners, but we will do our best. And as always, you can hop on the forums or email us, and we'll at least try to get back to you in email form, if not on the show. So first up, we have an email from Cartoon Boy. Cartoon Boy says, you guys are doing a really great job and I enjoy listening to you. I'm glad I can hear the news now instead of reading it. Most of my Dragon Ball knowledge is from you guys and your site. My eyes hurt from that after a while. (laughs) I really like how you use the original Japanese music for the show and how you correct Funimation and Atari for their mispronunciations. I can't wait for episode 3. I can't either. Two questions. Do all Dragon Ball episodes have filler and why is there a Garlic Jr. saga? Well, these two questions are kind of connected. That's right, and we did cover this a little bit in last week's episode. But to recap, um, not all Dragon Ball episodes have filler. There are quite a few that use, you know, at least individual scenes to pad out the length of the episode, or just really stretching something that is canon to a really long expanse of time. And that's how you get like those staring matches that seem to go on forever. Then you have like entire arcs of filler, which can result in things like the Garlic Jr. saga. Let's not go there. Um, (laughs) But basically the reason for it is that the animators um, and the animation company, Toei Animation, was adapting this into a TV show as the manga was still going, and so they needed to stay behind the comic lest they should get ahead and have nothing to do. Um, That's happened to a number of other shows, like Inuyasha and Rurouni Kenshin, with less than stellar results. And and that's basically the reason for filler. There's actually this neat comic, if you ever pick up the guidebook, uh, Son Goku Densetsu, which is a Japanese DBZ anime guide, which has this neat little comic in the back that basically shows what happens when they do catch up and they need to scramble for filler at the last minute. Um, Maybe I should translate that at some point. That would be good, because, you know, I look at it and I have no idea what it says. Yeah. Well, I started, but then I stopped for lack of free time. And maybe I should start up again. This next letter comes from Chris Niozzi, and I'm sorry, Chris, if your name is being mispronounced by me. And they're saying, I listened to the first two episodes of the podcast so far, and it's been great. The site in general has shown me a lot of things that's always reminded me of how much I love the series, and the podcast has been no exception. I'm glad to see that there are more people, especially on the internet, that are appreciated of the series, and I've kept that in mind for the five or so years that I've been going to the site. Yay! Um, and he also asks, what do you need to do to be able to be a guest speaker on the podcast? I have a lot of ideas and things to talk about, but I'm afraid because I'm not part of the forum and I don't have really an author- authoritative Dragon Ball-related site of some sort. Um, but if there's any information you could give me about that, please do. And he also asks about spot at least I'm assuming it's a he, about starting a podcast and where they could get information on that. Well, in terms of us bringing on people, we've really only just gotten started. So the people we've brought on so far have been someone from our forum and my girlfriend, Mary. So we really don't know what we're going to do about bringing on other people. I do have some specific guests that I'm working on lining up a couple of which actually live around here so I can have them drive to my apartment and sit in front of the microphone with me. (laughs) But in terms of grabbing other people and, say, hopping on Skype, we don't know yet. We would love to bring on some listeners and just hear what they think about the show being Dragon Ball and the show being the podcast and whatever ideas they have. We will certainly let people know as soon as we decide just logistically how we're going to do that. Now, in terms of starting your own podcast, I am probably not the best person to ask, 
being on episode 3 and having varying audio qualities from episode to episode. In terms of equipment, right now I just have a mixer I got from Radio Shack and a mic I got from Radio Shack and a floor full of 1 8 inch microphone extension cords. But yeah. Julian has his computer and his monitor, which has a microphone. Yeah, for the first episode I cheated and I used a headset that I borrowed from the library. But having had to give that back, I'm currently on the market for one of my own. Um, I don't know. I'm looking between the standard headphone jack ones and the USB ones, but I guess it depends on how many ports I have free. <laughs> so you really don't need all that much equipment to start it up, just a mic and a computer? And it's good to try and get rid of as many background noises and really annoying things that would distract people from your actual broadcast. That's true. For this episode, I took the bell off of my cat's neck, and I'm making Mary sit still and read X-Men on the couch. I shoved a towel under my door so the drunk freshman running down the hall won't disturb me. (laughs) In terms of uh, technical stuff like distributing the podcast, I'm going to tell you exactly what I did. I went to Apple's iTunes place and looked at what they had for information. I looked on Podcast Alley. And I copied other people's XML files and replaced what I needed to replace with my own information. So, exactly what people have done for years with the web. Steal and edit and figure out how things work. If I can figure out how to set up an RSS feed, then I'm sure anyone can. So, there's my basic awful, awful advice for starting your own podcast. This next email is a follow-up from Alfredo Pat. And he says, thanks for acknowledging me during the podcast. And he has another question about Dragon Ball Movie 2, or actually he has some information. Uh, He notes that the voice of Bulma did not sound like Tiffany Vollmer, who is the voice actress who picked up the role of Bulma later on for Funimation once they started Season 3 of Dragon Ball Z. Um, So basically, we were wrong. Yeah, and I guess also the voice for Goku is identical to the one in the dub of the third movie. And so, yeah, let's get that out there. Apparently the correct voice actress for Bulma in the dub of Dragon Ball Movie 2 is Leslie Alexander. So, um, to the audience and to Ms. Alexander, wherever you are, we're sorry. Thanks to Conan the SSJ, Super Saiyan, on our forum for that one. Right. So, just setting that straight for the record. And our last letter comes from Vietnamese Boy, who we can assume is a Vietnamese boy. Um, And he says, on your next episode, can you talk about DBZ Movie 12? What is the release date? And what do you guys think about it? Um, Well, we don't know exactly what the release date is, do we? No, we don't. The only thing we know is from Funimation's release of Movie 11, which they titled Bio Broly. If you go to the trailer section, they have what you think is going to be a trailer for something DBZ related. What it actually does is it brings up a still frame that says um, Dragon Ball Z movie Fusion Reborn, early 2006. So that's as much as we know, and that would indeed be movie 12. In terms of what we thought of the movie, movie 12 is one of the first fan subs I ever got way back in the day, so I obviously love it a whole lot just as you know for sentimental reasons as well as it's funny as hell. It's, it's kind of got the Busaga-style mixture of humor and action, but I think in some ways it actually does it better than, this, than the series does. And uh, Janemba is, oh, maybe a little bit annoying as, as a villain, but he's also ca- kind of badass, even though he can only say a single word. 
I think it'll be interesting to see in Funimation's dub if they actually dub Janemba, because when he's in that initial first form, all he does is say his name, and in his last form, he just yells. Yep. <laughs> so who knows? Now, you actually have this movie on the official Toei VHS. Yes. And I borrowed and it for a very long time. Yes, you did. And I liked it, because I mean, my fan sub was stolen my freshman year of college. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the official VHS isn't that great quality either, no, but it's, it's definitely a step up. But I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing this on DVD, and it's definitely a purchase that I'd like to make. Same goes. I can't wait for it. That concludes all of our emails for the week. We love getting them, we love reading them, and we want to reply to as many as we can on the air. If you would like to email us, please visit our site, ZenshuEX, and you can find all sorts of contact information. You can find our emails, you can find the form, you can find the chat information. So ZenshuEX can be found at www.daizex.com. That's pretty much all we have for this week. Look forward to us next week. We're still working on what we're going to talk about, but I have some ideas. I just haven't told Julian what we're going to be talking about yet. Right. I'm always the last to know. (laughs) In fact, you found out what we're talking about... About five minutes before we did this? Yeah. Sorry. Uh, Well, it worked anyway. You know, I've been writing up outlines and notes for a week now. What's your problem? Well, what if our outlines and notes don't agree? (laughs) Well, then I guess we have two shows written, and we're all set for two weeks. Well, there we go. All right. So that is it. Again, Daizenshu EX can be found at www.daizex.com. Please email us. Please hop on the forums. And if you're going to hop on the forums, please remember to spell correctly. And remember your grammar. Remember your grammar. two A's and no E. (laughs) So that is it. My name is Vigito EX. And I am Julia. So until next time, Daishu Mare o Tanashu Ni. Later.